Da, da, da. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are continuing where we left off last time um, about marriage and being single. And so we're going to finish up the chapter here. Looking, starting about verse 17 is where we left off last time. So we'll pick it up there. So let's go before the Lord and uh, we'll start there. Father, we thank you now as we come before you and um, our hearts open, our Bibles open, Lord, we ask that you would just do that great work in our hearts and our midst, and we pray for those that aren't feeling well, Lord, and um, those that, you know, have had some surgeries and injuries and so forth, Lord, we hold up um, Brother Carl to you as well, ask that you would just touch him and heal him, Father, and again, we do thank you for uh, your goodness and for your love and all that you want to do into uh, in and through our lives, Lord, so... Bless this time, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, remember, we started last time with Paul addressing the questions that the Corinthian church had. And if you look at verse 1 of chapter 7, he sees, uh, Now concerning the things which you wrote to me. And so, again, uh, there was questions in the church about being single, about being married, about sexual relations inside of marriage, you know, um, uh, different questions about that regarding, as we'll see later on here, or we'll see in a little bit, you know, questions regarding parents and their children. Remember back in those days, the marriages uh, for the most part were all arranged. So that had to do with now parents and their children, um, how to how to address those issues. And uh, so we're going to be talking about all of those, uh, answering all those questions. And if you missed last week's teaching for some reason, you know, it's online. You can download the audio or watch the video or whatever uh, you'd like to do. Uh, it's there, and I encourage you to, to you know, watch them together. It's, it's, it, I think it's a whole complete package, and it's a great uh, and important teaching that's very relevant for our day. Um, really, it, it has to do with this. At the end of the day, um, single, you're single, you're married, uh, you know, whatever, you know, however the marriage is going, sexual, sexual relationship-wise, um, you, you know, you, you, you need to be serving the Lord where you are. That's the important thing. It's that none of those things, wherever you find yourself in any of that, and of course, he's specifically talking about that, and that's true on, on a on everything really but you know we can serve the Lord wherever we are today and whatever situation we might find ourselves in I mean that's the overarching uh, principle we need to learn here and I do want to point uh, I do want to re reiterate what I talked about last time because I I just want to make sure it's you know maybe said a little more concise maybe a little bit more clear but the Bible's teaching in our uh, on marriage and divorce is is very clear, and I just I, I just always like to make that very clear to us because it is a very relevant issue for all of us and people that we meet and talk to that know the Lord. And so I do want to uh, just kind of refresh our memory on that, even though we we did talk about it last time. And I'll put this slide up: Matthew 19 uh, verses four through nine. This is Jesus talking and talking to uh, to the people and certainly to the religious leaders talking about divorce. He said, haven't you read, he replied, that 
at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Now, I, I'll just throw that first verse out there because he made the male or female. <laughs> I won't go into that, but... That's a whole other topic we could discuss in today's terms, but they're created male or female, okay? Just make that very clear, and I'll let you study that on your own because we're talking about marriage, but i just throw that out there. So, okay, so Jesus is saying they were made, and again, the two will become, uh, when they become married, they'll unite together, they become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one, and what God has put together in the marriage, man should not separate. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, the disciples said to him, well, if this is the situation between husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, uh, not everyone can accept this word, but those whom it has been given, for some are eunuchs because of the, they were born that way, others were made that way by men and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven and the one who should accept this should accept this. Now again, the, 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 the disciples' response to what God has put together and marriage, um, and, and he'll go on to talk about um, the hardness, uh, and he goes, well, what about Moses? Didn't he give a divorce? And he said, yeah, because of the hardness of your heart. Um, it goes on to talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, Jesus goes on to talk about that, but that wasn't God's plan. It was a result of the hardness of your heart. And the disciples, you know, their, their response to this was, man, maybe we shouldn't even get married. I mean, this is pretty serious. And, and the reason why they answered that way most likely is because, you know, the, 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 the teaching of their day, even with the Jewish rabbis, was that, you know, divorce was a divine right, and even a righteous act... Um, uh, and, a, and a righteous response to something um, that is, you know, obviously um, happening in the marriage. Now, typically in a male-dominated society, the women didn't have a whole lot to say about it in, with the Jewish society. But, you know, if a woman didn't uh, do something right or, you know, uh, displease a husband, you know, that even the Jewish leaders, some of them would say, it's, you know, religious leaders would say, well, you, you, not only should you divorce them, but that's what you should do before God because they're not doing what they should be doing. So that was the thinking in their day. It was much like the thinking of today, just to put it in today's terms. You know, we have no-fault divorce. Uh, you can get divorced for any reason. Uh, the other partner, uh, spouse, it doesn't have to agree to it. Uh, if one wants to be a divorce, the state will, will grant it. And um, again, uh, we just need to say pretty pretty clear what the Bible talks about this. You know, we live in a day where the state will recognize it, but, you know, God will say, um, no. As a matter of fact, Jesus will go on to talk about, Paul talked about here in chapter 7, is that, you know, if you marry again, then you're committing adultery. Because in God's eyes, you're still married to that first person that you were married to. And, you know, he, that's, that's the standard. It's not what the state allows, what people think is okay in society. It's what does God say about it? And he only says that for um, adultery, it is, is a 
a legitimate reason to get a divorce, but even as we read last time, that doesn't mean it's an automatic. You know, try to work it out. Try to work it out. And so uh, I, I just wanted to be clear what the Bible teaches about, because today there are so many excuses and reasons, and they try to spiritualize, you know, what adultery really is. You know, adultery is adultery. It's very clear. You can't spiritualize, you know, a certain act or an attitude or this or that and say that's adultery. Adultery is having, you know, sexual relations physically with another person that you're not married to. End of story. You can't say because they looked at someone or did this or said that or, you know, it's, it's not. The Bible's pretty clear, and I just, I thought it should make it clear what the Bible teaches. And again, it's not just, um, you know, uh, in one place. It's, it's, you know, obviously we're reading here in Gospels. It's repeated in the Gospels. It's here in the New Testament. Certainly it's here in 1 Corinthians. We'll talk about it later. There's a number of places, and again, um, Again, even though the state might recognize something, the government and people's attitudes recognize something, it's still called adult adultery. And it's important. That's why it's so important that we marry right. That's why I spent so much time harping on that, because once you make that commitment, you're making that commitment before the Lord, and it's not uh, easily broken, to say the least. As a matter of fact, the disciples' response was, well, maybe we shouldn't even get married. And then Jesus answers, of course, the way he did. So I just think it's, it's important that we have that clear understanding, that it's very clear in our own minds, and that we continue to, you know, share um, the heart of the Lord with people. Uh, you know, obviously people that don't know the Lord and aren't believers, they're probably not going to get it. But those that are, we should encourage them in that way uh, and, and remind them what the Word says. And uh, yeah, you could be married to some schluck that's doing all sorts of things. We talked about, uh, you know, there's there's... Uh, it's, it's okay to separate, obviously, if there's some kind of, you know, violent issues in the home and, you know, it's okay to, to separate. Uh, there, there's provision for that, but it's, divorce isn't just, you know, the top pick on the menu uh, by any stretch. Uh, so I just want to make sure we all understand that as we move forward, that it's kind of clearly summarized before we move on to what he's going to be talking about uh, for the rest of the chapter here. Okay, so with all that in mind and all their concerns about being single and married, you know, we have this kind of summary. Uh, verse 17 says this, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called to be uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commands of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Well, do not be concerned about it, but if you uh, can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. And as you can see, Paul repeats that same line really three different times. Because what he says as a result of, you know, single, married, 
you know, wherever your situation is within the marriage and however that looks like, or if you're engaged or whatever the situation is, he, he says in verse, verse 17, but as God has distributed each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, so are ordained in all the churches. So this is very important for us to understand because, you know, the question that the Corinthian church was thinking was like, wait a minute, you know, um, do I need to really do something first? I need to either be single or I should get this marriage thing going or I need to change this or I need to change that. You know, talking about religious practices of circumcision or slave or being a free person. I, I need to change these things so that I can, you know, serve the Lord. Then I can serve the Lord. You know, that, that's kind of the thinking behind this. And Paul is just as addressing this right away. He said, listen, uh, None of that matters primarily no matter where you are and what is the circumstances in your life today, you know, we should be serving the Lord. You, you can't have this thinking of, well, when this changes or when I stop doing this or when I get this together or this circumstance changes, well, then I can serve the Lord and then I can spend time focusing on the things of the Lord. Um, you know, again, Clearly, we're told to walk with the Lord, serve the Lord, right where we are, where we are right now. And it doesn't matter if you're single, or you're going to get married, or if you're married, or you're having sex problems in your marriage, or not, or wherever you are, again, serve the Lord wherever you are right now. Kind of reminds me of that old, sorry, go back to the early 80s movie, that Buckaroo Banzai. Remember that famous line from that movie? Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> a classic line from Buckaroo Banzai. I'm not pushing that movie. I just remember, I don't know, for some reason when I think, <laughs> you know, serve the Lord right where you are. Anyway, that's my association, and if it is, it is. But again, it's the right time, and the circumstances are right for you to serve the Lord. Um, because what happens in, in people's minds, and again, maybe you've experienced this too, well, when the situation gets right, then I can, you know, serve the Lord. I can spend more time, you know, going to church and doing the things, you know, maybe to help the church and serve and, you know, minister to people and all this, you know. But right now, I'm single. I'm trying to, you know, you know, I'm maybe dating somebody and I'm kind of putting all my time into that. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I just got married. You know, I want to kind of spend time, get to know my, my spouse. And, uh, you know, so we can't really attend church and this and that. Or then later on, you say, well, you know, we're starting careers and we're both working and there's a lot of extra work. So going to church on Sunday is kind of out. And, you know, we're so busy doing things, and then you have children, you say, oh, we can't really go to church and serve the Lord now, because you've got these little ones at home, they need to take naps, they need to do this, they need to go there, and as they get a little older, oh, you know, we can't really serve the Lord or go to church, you know, when we get a little bit older, we'll do it, but now the kids have sports, and they have all this kind of things, they have to do all these activities, and we're running around like crazy doing all those activities, and either we're too tired, uh, you know, after work, and all this kind of stuff to go to church on Sunday, or we have commitments on the weekends, and so we really can't make it, and, you know, when they get older, you know, then we'll do it, and then, you know, they get older, and the children leave the house, and now for the first time, the children have been out of the house, we really need to spend time with each other, now we can travel and do things, and so, you know, when we get a little older, we'll serve the Lord, and then they get too old, oh, we really can't make it to church, really can't do anything, we're too, you know, that's how life goes. And, you know, it's always this, you know, manana thinking as I'll start serving the Lord, 
when this changes or these circumstances move on or doing this. And again, the encouragement here is very clear. We need to serve the Lord right now. As the Lord has called us, no matter what the circumstances are, it's the right time to do it now. Now, obviously, you know, he's talking about, you know, being single or marriage or how your marriage situation is in the first one in verse 17. But then 18 through 20, he says, you know, was anyone called by circumcised? Let him not be uncircumcised, which is obviously ridiculous, right? Anyone's called uncircumcised, don't let him be circumcised. It means nothing, right? But keep the commandments of God is what matters. That's, um, you know, one of those underlinable things if you like to do that at the end of verse 19. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. And then he repeats the line again, let each one remain in the calling in which he has been called. So Paul says, you know, if you're, you know, um, let, let's think of it this way, you know, well, I need to do some spiritual act. Think of that as that way. You know, I need to be, I need to get to more Jewish roots. And so one of the rites of being a Jew was, was circumcision. So I have to look into that and I have to, you know, uh, you know, that will kind of propel me spiritually if I do that. Um, Paul's saying, listen, those things don't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, whether, you know, you're this or you feel like you need to obtain this spiritual thing or do this spiritual thing or not do this spiritually, it, it doesn't matter. You serve the Lord where you are right now. And you don't have to accomplish some kind of spiritual feat to be able to serve the Lord where you are right now. You know, some people think, well, you know, I have to do something before I can. I have to maybe go to school or I have to learn the Bible a little bit more or I have to take time finding this before I can do this. And, you know, we're, we're told here clearly none of that is important. What matters is serving and living for the Lord right now where you are. Don't have any excuses for it, whether it's singleness or marriage or any of those issues there, whether it's religious things you think you need to accomplish or you need to be you need to learn more before you can do this and do this. No, that's not it. You, you can serve the Lord right where you are. And then, you know, uh, he, he says what matters is that you're serving the Lord right now, right where you are. You know, I've met people over the years that, you know, when they become Christians, that they, um, you know, they say, you know, I just want to, you know, quit my job, uh, you know, and uh, or move somewhere else so I can do this or that. You know, I think I'll go to the missions field or I think I'm going to move over there and do this and, they, and, and I'm going to do that and accomplish, you know, this. And, you know, I, and, uh, I, I always kind of bring them back to this. Um, and I say, you know, first of all, cool your jets. Uh, you know, this is where the Lord has called you right now. You, now, you know, you're walking with the Lord and the Lord's called you. And this is where he has you, and then wait for him to move you. And then you'll know it's the right place and the right time. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we get excited, as we should be. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we, we might, um, you know, even as a believer, we might go to some great, um, um, you know, uh, conference maybe, or we hear a guest speaker at church, or even a message that the pastor's giving you know, at, uh, at church or we hear, you know, something online or something and all of a sudden we just get this, you know, wow, I, you know, I need to go do that. I need to go over there. You know, this is really what I, and it might be, 
But it's always important is, okay, you know, I, am I doing what I'm called to be doing right where I am right now? And if you're really not serving the Lord and, you know, following the Lord and, and living for the Lord where you are right now, then changing the scenery or going out in the mission field or moving over here or jumping into that and quitting this and going over there is 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 not going to is not going to propel you ahead like that i think um you, you know as being around the church for a long time you see people getting excited about wanting to do that and that's good you don't ever want to obviously quench that fire but you know if, generally if i know the person and i know that they're maybe you know they're they're serving and loving the Lord is, is kind of mixed at this point, then I'll encourage them, you know what, you dig in here first. You're here right now. The Lord's called you here. We know that for sure. And yes, that might be something that he's leading you. And I know you're excited about it, but do all that the Lord's called you to do right now today. And, and as you're doing that, and if he opens that door and you see him doing that, then great. That's maybe where he's leading you. But wait for him to move you. Don't you just run ahead thinking, if I do that, then, you know, this will propel me spiritually and I'll... I'll be like that person or boy, he came back from the mission field and they were just like that. I'm going to do the same thing, go over there because that's the way I'm going to, you know, be if I do that. And sometimes people kind of get that way. And I just think it's, it's important that we're serving the Lord where we are, living for the Lord the way we are. And then when we're doing that and, and have done that, and then the Lord starts moving in that direction, then we'll see him move us in that direction. But until that point, serve and trust and live for the Lord where you are. And don't think that moving or doing or changing this or going this all of a sudden is going to propel you spiritually if you're not currently doing all that the Lord has called you to do right now today. I think that's the message that he's giving here. Now, when you get to verse 22 through 24, don't think that he doesn't want you to maybe improve your circumstances or accomplish anything. Because he says this in verse 21, uh, were you called while a slave? Well, do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state which he was called. Which, of course, he's repeating again for the third time. So slavery was very common in the Roman Empire. There was millions enslaved. Uh, you know, depending on where you were in the empire, depending on, you know, what time it was in the empire, you know, I don't know, historians putting, you know, 20, 10 to 20% of the, of the Roman Empire was slaves. Uh, you know, that's kind of the rule of thumb. And they figured at its height it was about 50 million people under the Roman Empire. And so... I'm going to say for argument's sake, you know, five to ten million were slaves, okay, just for, for argument's sake. So that's a lot of slaves. And obviously, you know, I imagine a number of the people attending the Corinthian church were slaves. And, you know, he reminds them, first of all, that a slave can please God as a slave. You know, he, he, he might doesn't want to get out of thinking, well, I, 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 I can't do anything for God right now, but as soon as I became a free person and I'm no longer a slave, well, then I can do things for the Lord. Remember, he's eliminating that thinking first 
even in what might be terrible circumstances. Now, not all slaves were mistreated and abused, but you can imagine, you know, being a slave was no fun thing by any stretch. You can serve God while, and you're able to serve God even in the situation you're in. So whether it's single or married or a Jew or a slave or free, it's, that shouldn't stop you at all. And, and again, um, you know, he says, if, but if you can become free, well, then do it. So in other words, there's room to, uh, and there's place to in, improve your circumstances, absolutely, uh, because particularly in that day, this, this, the, the, your owner might say, well, you can't go to church, or you can't do this, or you can't do that, and certainly there were some limitations. And so if you can break free of that, well, that's good, and, 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 and improve your situation in that way, okay, great, that's a good thing to do, absolutely. But just remember that, um, you know, uh, no matter who you are, whether you're in the, that slavery situation or you're free, notice verse 23. You were bought at a price. So don't think that you're a second-class citizen. Even though the world thinks of you as a second-class citizen as a slave or a third or a fifth or a tenth, you know, they think of you, they might think of the dog more than you, right, as a slave. But just remember whether that person that owns all those slaves or the, the lowliest of the slaves all were bought at a price of Jesus Christ. And all of us, you know, are, are servants uh, and, uh, of, of Jesus. We belong to him. We belong to the Lord because we were bought with a price. So nobody can think they're better than anybody else because we're all bought with a price. So the free person can't go around, well, you're a slave and I'm, you know, this and that. You know, you're this in life and I'm this in life. Listen, we were all bought at a price. All of our salvation was paid for and we're his. So it doesn't really matter. And, you know, people at a very low place in life, you know, compared to everybody else might think there's something less. They're not. The person at the top of the heap might think there's something better. They're not. We all owe the Savior. We're all bought with a price. We're all His. And so it, it doesn't matter. So don't try to undo the past. Don't wait for things to change. Don't rush to change things. Serve and live for the Lord where you are today. Start there. You don't have to make it very complex. People make sometimes serving the Lord very difficult or so far off they can't obtain it or, uh, you know, so easy if they've done so much that they don't need to do anything anymore. I mean, there's all sorts of places along that spectrum. But we just need to serve the Lord today where we are, and it's that simple. And if we accomplish that day in and day out, then the Lord will move us to the next situation or will change this if He feels to change this or bring a husband in or a wife in or or change the marital situation or the job situation or move he'll do all that in his time but we're just called to be faithful and to serve him and to live for him where we are no matter what the circumstances are and we can i think that's such an important basic fundamental christian foundation thought that we all need to know and to share with those that are in those situations that we talked about. Now, verse 25, notice it says now. So he's kind of moving on seemingly to the next question that they had uh, concerning virgins. 
I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Okay, now when you think of virgins, think of single. Kind of maybe interchange that word for single for virgin. Now, yes, a single person, you know, uh, ideally and God's plan should not have had sex before marriage. Okay, so that still applies. But the way it's used here for the rest of the chapter, you know, you could probably substitute the word single so we don't get confused by that. I, I like um, um, this quote here. It says this, is, you know, we are not to think that Paul is any less inspired here because he deals with life situations that differ from person to person. He cannot and will not give a commandment, yet he will give inspired advice and principles. And that's why he says, okay, concerning singles, I don't have any commandment from the Lord, but you know, I know the heart of the Lord here. And so he's not going to command this, but he's saying, I know the heart of the Lord. So in dealing with singles, and the reason he gives this, and why it's important you know, to consider this, right? When he says, okay, I, I, I'm not commanding all this, but I know what the Lord's heart is in all this. And so I say all this to say this in verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress. That is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Well, do not seek to be loosened. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you marry, if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Okay, so now Paul says, listen, because of, you know, uh, uh, you know I, I'm not going to command anybody here, but I know I have the heart of the Lord, and when it has to do with singles and it do with single pe- people, um, you know, uh, because, notice of this, of the present distress at the end of, or the middle of verse 26. Because of the, the current conditions that are going on, now we know that the early church faced much persecution, Right, they they first faced persecution, uh, you know, depending on whoever the Roman emperor was, the Caesar was at the time. Uh, you know, they could be tortured, put to death. Sometimes they were left alone. Sometimes they weren't. Um, now he could be talking about that, or it could be in Corinth. You know, as a Greek city, and uh, there could have been just a lot of persecution in uh, for the church people that live for Christ in Corinth. It could have been more of a local thing, but there is distress and uh, persecution, uh, we would say. Paul says, you know, okay, because of that, if you're married, stay married. Uh, you know, don't, don't get out of it thinking that that's going to somehow help the situation. It's not. But if you're single, then I encourage you to stay that way as well. And again, um, uh, again, and he kind of points this out. What's the advantage if you remain married? Well, in times of great distress, your family needs you more than ever. So you can be of great assistance to them during great times of trouble and distress and persecution. So don't abandon your wife and your children now, right? Stay there with them. They need you now more than ever. Don't think if you just push them aside that you can, you know, live better for, for Christ and serve Him better and do this. No, don't, don't abandon them now. But verse 28 says, But 
even if you do marry, okay, if you're single and you do get married, you haven't sinned. And, and if a single gal marries, she, you know, wants to get married, she is not sinned. But you notice he says here at the end of verse 28, Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. He says there is an advantage to remaining single. Now, it's easy to understand this during times of persecution or great crisis, right? How much more of a burden it would be if your wife or your family, um, you know, uh, and, and you're standing for the Lord, and that comes at a terrible price. You're standing, you know, strong for Him. And then, you know, we might say, well, okay, torture me. I'm not going to renounce the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand firm in that. I'm not going to let that move me at all. If we were threatened, but if our wives, on this case, were threatened to be raped, or our children tortured... That'd be a whole different thing, right? Well, do what you want to me, but, you know, don't touch my spouse. You know, it works both ways. And don't touch my children. That's a whole different thing, right? And, uh, you know, if we were threatened by that. So you can understand, he says, if you don't have, you're not in that situation and you're single right now, that would be a great advantage. You don't have that pressure and that worry and you don't have all those things to deal with in, in this present distress, as he would say. But, you know, sometimes we, you know, we read this and we think, okay, well, you know, that's back then. That was a so long time ago, a couple thousand years. And, you know, uh, you know, first century Christians were under so much persecution and, man, it was so tough and difficult and, it, sums, it can seem pretty far away from us, but I, this chart, you know, this is a relatively, you know, a couple years ago from, from Pew, you know, they did, um, uh, you know, uh, persecution, I guess some of it got cut off here, but basically, you know, uh, religious related groups or activities and, uh, you know, we're against the law in a number of countries. And it says here, 41 countries out of the total 198 countries have some kind of religious-related laws. Um, and some of them are for stuff that's way out there, you know, that I can understand. But you can see here, you know, in the Middle East, in North Africa, 55% of the countries in the Middle East and in North Africa have laws on the books that are, are religious, you know, uh, that, that outlaw some religious-related religious groups. And then you can see the rest of them, kind of how they're spread out here. Asia's got quite a bit. Uh, Europe and Americas are, are relatively low. And you can list, see the names listed at the bottom. But I, I show you this chart to make this point is, you know, we think sometimes persecution and living for the Lord and, and paying a price for living for the Lord is so far off, but you know it's it's closer than we think. And and just think, in some forty-one countries, in some sense or form, some of them are a lot greater than others. But um, there are believers and Christians who are living in great distress right now. And though it might be far from us to actually have physical harm, although it's coming that way, you know, look at. Look at this whole thing uh, on the news with Roe versus Wade and this whole abortion thing and how people are just, you know, going crazy because this might change in some states. You know, they make it sound like, 
you know, right? It, it basically what that does is it allows the states to create laws that the state feels is right for their state. And what Roe versus Wade did took it away and said, no, you have to allow this in every place. And the states are saying, well, wait a minute, our people don't want to do that. That's not how we want to govern our state and how the people voted us in want to live and have these laws, but you're making us federal government have these laws. And what that would do is roll back and say, listen, if the state people in the state vote and don't want to have these kind of abortion uh, um, freedoms and abort babies all the way up to, you know, term or whatever, um, then they can do that. And crazy states like our California is always going to be able to, you know, murder a baby all the way up. <laughs> so, again, but you see how crazy they are protesting in front of uh, the, the justices' homes, you know, uh, throwing firebombs at some churches. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's coming around, guys. And it might seem far off here, but, you know, Paul's saying, listen, you know, there is some merit here. And he continues on in verse 29, But I say this, brethren, the time is short, for that now on even those who had wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. And so Paul brings this even more narrowed down. And he is saying, listen, time is short before the Lord comes. So have a light touch on this world. You know, that's the bottom line is. And, and Jesus said, I could come at any time, any day, or any hour. And as a matter of fact, I am going to come when you least expect it. And so the idea we're told, you know, uh, even throughout Scripture, but particularly it's very clear in the New Testament is, He could come at any time. And so we're to live our lives as if He could come at any time. And that's certainly how Paul is looking at this. It's short. We need to live our lives like he could come back at any time. Now, he's not encouraging neglect of family duties, but encouraging living as if the time is short. Again, he will talk about husbands. You have this responsibility to your wives and wives to your husbands and children, to your parents and parents to your children. He's going to be talking about all these relationships and how they should act and how they should work. And there's plenty of that in the New Testament. He's going to talk about it. The Lord's going to use others to talk about it through the Holy Spirit. And he is going to do all that. But what we need to do is to live for the Lord and live for him now and uh uh, and, and not live as your earthly family doesn't matter, but we're to live for eternity. So the idea, if you know, you're know you married, you should live like you're single. Well, you know, I'm not serving the Lord. No, you're not. Obviously, you are serving the Lord, right? Um, you know, uh, so don't, don't think this. Let me rephrase that. Let me back up. You know, 
a person think, shouldn't think, well, you know, I'm not serving the Lord because I'm married, and so I'm just going to, you know, leave all that aside and live, you know, single, uh, you know, for eternity, uh, and, and that's what I'm doing, you know, is right and good. He is not saying that, and there's plenty of scriptures that make that very clear. He is just saying we need to live for eternity, and it doesn't matter whether things are good, things are bad, right? Weeping or rejoicing, uh, possessions or not having possessions, you know, using, misusing the thing of this world. All this is passing away. That's the point at end of, end of verse 31. And I want you to live without care for those things. Like that is all that matters in life. And uh, uh, again, I, I want you to think about that. Now, there is an advantage to being single, right? Uh, certainly, you can dedicate the time to the Lord. You know how it was probably if you're older and you were single. You didn't have to, you know, check in with anybody. Hey, I'm going to be doing this or going there. You know, you just went and did it. If you want to do something, you could do it. You know, there wasn't any, any you know, things you had to make sure that weren't planned or this or that. We know what it's like. And there's a lot of, you know, you're unencumbered in those areas. And so there is some advantages to that. There is some advantage to serving, you know, the Lord in, in a special way while you're single because you do have fewer responsibilities. You just have to take care of yourself. And, uh, you know, again, that's important. But we need to stay faithful in the situation we're in. It doesn't excuse any of that. We're just to live like Jesus could come back at any time. That's the important point here. And I love what Hebrews um, chapter 11, verse 13 says, uh, you know, to kind of emphasize this. And it's pretty familiar, you know, Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of faith chapter where, you know, it goes on to live, list those people that were living by faith. And then, you know, the summation here says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. And so I think that's really the heart of the message here and what he's trying to say, certainly with uh, how we're to live right now and today. You know, it's just, they live by faith. And he talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, you know, all those great people, you know, in, in faith. And he'll go on and list some more after this. But the idea was... They, you know, yes, all those promises and all the things that, that were going to happen weren't fulfilled in those, those days, but they lived like they were. And that's the encouragement that we have today. And if you're single, he says, you know, you have some advantage on being able to do that a lot easier, particularly considering the circumstances that they were living in in Corinth here. Okay, so don't think he's abandoning anybody. All right, then verse 34 says, There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. An unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be both holy or be holy both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Um, you know, that's just the important thing to remember. Uh, you know, it's funny, Chuck Swindoll tells this story. He said, you know, 
He says, you know, if you like stories, you'll love Christianity, right? The triumph, the victory, the unity, the harmony, the joy, the praise and delight with Jesus. And so one of the things he said in one of his sermons, you know, he said, one of the great blessings is there's, you know, no more arguments with your wife. And he said, and four men yelled out, amen. And then he added, or with your husband, and he said, and hundreds of wives, <laughs> hundreds of women yelled, amen. <laughs> and so, you know, I always think that's pretty funny. Again, you know, um, you know, one of the blessings of, you know, about being in heaven is, you know, there's no more arguments, right? And uh, that's the great, wonderful things uh, about heaven. But until that point, there is going to be difficulties, and there is going to be trials and, and difficulties in marriage. And Paul was thinking, you know, listen, you, you don't have to put up with those things uh, and, and experience those things if you, you know, again, let me just clarify this, if you're called and you're gifted to be single, because he makes that very clear that it's a calling. We read about it, what Jesus said in Matthew um, as well earlier on. Um, you know, it's that calling. And if you are, you know, there are some blessings there. Now, there are some great blessings in being married as well, so don't, don't misunderstand that. But we're focusing on this right now, and that, you know, you, you, you spare yourself from some of those things. But, he says in verse 36, if a man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, and she is past um, uh, the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do as he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Now, notice how he's talking about this. He's talking about a parent with their daughter, single daughter, right? Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. Okay, so Paul is talking about here now, getting down to some of the questions they have. Okay, I have these children. Now, in the society that I live in, I am supposed to arrange for them to get married. Can you imagine that, parents? <laughs> You know, what a job. And I guess, you know, it was so used to in society, but can you imagine having to arrange your children's, you know, who they're going to marry? Anyway, I guess it could work out good. It could work out horribly wrong. But when everybody does it, I guess you don't really think about it the way we think about it. But but basically, he said, okay, you have this. And now Paul's talking about the single, 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 uh, you know, this young man or woman, his virgin. Okay, that's the idea, the single. And, you know... Behaving improperly has nothing to do with improper moral behavior. Don't misunderstand that. But basically, you know, parent, if you're thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't let them get married, uh, you know, uh, based on what, Paul, you're saying here about singleness. You know, you're talking about the singleness and some of the advantages. And so, uh, you know, you're doing that or you're thinking that's better and, you know, uh, don't, don't think of improper moral behavior. It's like, well, I'm not really getting them married. I'm not arranging for them to be married. And so, uh, you know, because of the singleness, and Paul says, listen, you know, they're getting a little bit older and you haven't done anything about it. And typically all the other gals their age or the guys their age are married at that point. Now they're getting a little older. He said, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, it's okay. It's, it's okay, you know, for them to get married. It's not wrong. It's not, you're not doing anything wrong. Uh, but if they don't want to get married and they have that heart of like, I have that gift. I have that calling from the Lord to live for him. I don't need for, you know, to get married, you know, dad and mom. I, 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 I'm okay staying this way. I know, you know, that's, I feel like it's the Lord calling. And Paul would say, well, let them do that. You're not doing anything wrong there. If you choose to, you know, they're getting a little older and you've kind of put it off because of this, but they want to get married, then let them get married. But if they want to stay single, then make that an option too. Make that an option. It's, it's okay not to arrange the marriage if the single person wants to stay single. And he's encouraging the parents to allow them to stay that way. Now, you don't have to make them stay that way, but if they want to stay that way, make room for that. Make room for that if that's what they want. And, and he, you know, in light of the circumstances that you guys are living in right now and how difficult it is, particularly in Corinth at that time, you know, there is some great advantage for them to stay single. As we talked about, the persecution for you know, husbands or wives or their children and all that that they're facing, there were some great advantages for being single. And so he's instructing the parents on this with their children in regards to marriage, giving them options to do that. You don't withhold them because I'm not saying to do that. If they want to get married, then that's okay. But if they want to stay single, you got to be okay with that too. And then he finishes up with this. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think also I have, the, uh, I think I ha also have the Spirit of God. And so he addresses the final ones here now. Um, you know, a husband... Um, passes away. Now she's addressing particularly widows here, but um, the widowers, obviously, um, men that have their uh, wives pass away, be also the same situation here, if they have the right to remarry another Christian, right? That's the idea, as long as they're only with the Lord, you're still making sure that's there. And again, they're free to remarry another Christian. But Paul, you know, wants the widow not to, you know, to consider maybe this is where the Lord has you right now. That God might be calling you now to live the rest of your days as a single person, you know, celibate, if you would, and devoting that time for the Lord. And you, uh, uh, Paul would say, I encourage you to prayerfully consider that. Now, if you want to marry another Christian, well, that's great. But take a moment, take a breath. And, and, and don't think you have to rush right back into being married. And, and you can understand some of the pressure would be, especially if a woman had mouths to feed and children. I and mean, think about that. You know, if, if you weren't around to support the family, how would the family be? Well, it'd probably be for most of us, you know, whether a husband or wife died, it would be difficult for us financially in most of our situations. Some even more so when just one really works and the other maybe works part-time or doesn't work very much or work at all, that would be a big thing. And you can understand the pressure would be, man, I got to find somebody, you know, and get married because, uh, you know, I have family, I have children. How are they going to live and eat and all this kind of stuff? And so, uh, again, you know, he's saying, but, but prayerfully consider that the Lord might have you 
uh, in this situation right now and take time to consider whether he wants you to remain that way or not. And so he kind of ends up um, that way. And there we have our, our teaching on singleness and being married and dealing with those issues here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's one of those great chapters that you kind of have to file away in your mind when you're thinking about singleness and, and marriage. You know, there's a few places, uh, you know, Jesus talks about in the Gospels, particularly Matthew uh, talks about that, 1 Corinthians 7, and then we know Ephesians, he talks about uh, husbands and wives and children. And so the, some of those you know, chapters or those books need to kind of stand out in our minds so we know, you know what the Lord has to say in those circumstances and the situations. And this is one of those chapters where he does that. And so um, a good place and a good reference and a good reminder for all of us about you know, being married, being single, and dealing with being married and single and uh, how we should live. Uh, amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time that we look at your word this morning, Lord, and we thank you that, um, you know, you have great uh, desire for us to know everything. There, there isn't an area in our lives where you don't want to lead us and guide us. And, and Father, I, I, I know, you know, one of the important things that we learned this morning was that we, we're called to serve and to live for you no matter what our circumstances are. And help us to remember that. And help us to do that, Lord. We really can't move on and mature spiritually as you want us to unless we're doing it. Um, it just, you know, you can't put step two before step one. And step one is living and serving you. And we can't really move on to the next things you have for us, Lord, unless we're doing that. So no matter what our circumstances are, help us to be faithful in, in living and, and serving you, Lord, where we are. And Lord, again, help us all to understand your heart in these matters. You know, there might be people that you bring our way or our children or others that you bring uh, uh, to us, Father, that we can encourage them and we can show them and teach them what your word says. And maybe for some of them, you know, they could be single for a time and for a season and not want to be involved in this. And maybe they have a heart to be married and, and you know, we can encourage them in that. Or even in the married, you know, they seem like they're stuck in these things and, you know, now their life is over because of it and in so many ways because of so many problems, Lord. But that's not the case. You tell us that the, you know, even if we came out of the Lord and the other person didn't after we were married, that we can still be such a great witness as we talked about last time. An impact on our spouse, an impact on our, our children and our family. And so, Lord, uh, again, we thank you for these encouraging and, and, and insightful uh, words that you uh, give to us, Lord. May we always just fall back and not what society is pushing and teaching and thinking and the way they're doing things, but, Lord, trusting in you and your word and your ways. And we'll never go wrong. And we thank you for that, Lord. Bless these things to our hearts, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.